1: Hello radio listeners, I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the internet at www.710keel.com Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pump application and the Keel applications on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes we're to learn about some interesting challenges of aging from an internationally known professor from the University of Virginia. So stay tuned in the show for some very interesting information for you and your loved ones. Be sure to pick up the current issue, The Best of Times, at one of our 270 distribution locations. We thank the many... People who have complimented about our magazine, we do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy at one of our distribution locations, please visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine, as well as the current copy of Silver Page's Senior Resource Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Joining me on my show is a very special guest is Professor Joseph Davis, who is a research professor of sociology at the University of Virginia and who has co-authored a book called The Evening of Life, The Challenges of Aging and Dying Well. So thank you, Dr. Davis, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour.
0: You're welcome, Gary. Thank you very much for having
1: me. So I want to mention to all of my listeners, this is a fascinating book. Again, I I want to emphasize it. I'm sure it's available on Amazon, and you can also go to their uh, University of Notre Dame Press to order it as well. It's a fascinating book that all of you out there who are seniors and boomers like me, uh, will find it quite interesting, and I, I, I'm, I'm, t- I'm going I'm to give a, a promo, Doctor Davis, initially, so people will continue reading. So he's going to give us a little bit of lanyap, a little bit of extra, a part of it. But I, I want to emphasize some of the aspects. You're going it's going when you read this, it's going to say, really, I, I, I thought of that, and I've seen that over the many 20 years and up till now, It's, it's, it's way different than our parents and grandparents and great grandparents. Would you say that? It's, it's, yes, certainly. Aging and the ethics of aging and dying, dying well now is way different than it was, you know, in, today in America and throughout the world. So let's let's start. Well, what what prompted you to gather all these ethics, e- essays on ethics of aging and dying well?
0: Well, we have a I have a program that I run here at the University of Virginia called the Picturing the Human Colloquy, um, and as that name suggests, picturing the human. We're Interested in various ways in which um, that new new kind of developments in our society are creating ways of thinking about what it means to be human that are different. Uh, we did a project, for instance, on the rise of algorithms and artificial intelligence and how that might reflect on us as human persons uh, and human judgment and things like that. And. And that that focus and, uh, and some of it was around the the kind of problem of autonomy the notion of each person as a kind of master of choice that that picture was inadequate and that it almost naturally kind of led us to consider aging um and older age because those are the precisely the times of life especially as one
1: That's true. reaches a
0: certain age in which the idea of being autonomous and independent of everyone self-sufficient and so on really get tested and
1: and, and, uh, and some of those don't you think Dr. Davis, some of those including myself occasionally think think that you that you know everything right i I, I have a few of my senior friends boomer friends that that tend to do that, and I'm telling them you have to learn to your dying day you know don't think you know everything about everything now and you know a few of my accept yeah, you're right, Gary, maybe I should research a little bit you know what it was five years or ten years ago it's changed it's just like technology as as my son's the the techno guru's now you know they keep telling me you know Dad, things could change in a matter of minutes so don't don't think that's the the, the ideal situation here so so has in your based upon your, your research and your gathering is the is, isn't the situation of the aged overall greatly improved over the many years and and how as well it? Uh,
0: yeah yeah so you know yes and no so in one sense Uh, it surely has, especially, uh, in terms of kind of material well-being and, and medically, um, you know, in many ways, this is the, this is the best of all possible times to be alive, um, if you're 80 years old, um, in those two regards, uh, but in another sense, and this is the sense we're really actively addressing in the book, um, old, old people, uh, the aged and so on have been increasingly marginalized, uh, pushed out of valuable social roles, uh, made to be kind of redundant, um, uh, and so on. And so, in that sense, um, we thought the aged are really regarded, you know, those, particularly, of course, those who are frail, uh, who are approaching death, who are dependent on the care of others, and so on. Um, that, you know, our society and our culture, which focuses so much on autonomy, really holds people who are, who are unable to be autonomous in that way um, in great disdain. And so we have a very profoundly ambivalent view of the aged. Um, uh,
1: but but it's improved. And I, I, I'm going to tell my listeners, based upon my reading that, I, I see indications, which I want to tell all you listeners out there, some of their advice is in, implicit and explicit because... And, and I'm saying that I see 70s and 80 year olds that dress and keep their, 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 their hygiene, their dress, their haircuts, their style, the ladies that make them look like 50. And, I, and all this new, new new technology of makeup, and even for the guys, very few of us want to do that, but some of them do. But isn't <laughs> that the case? That that's making aging look way different than it was in our grandparents. I'm, I'm, I'm a Greek ethnicity, and my, you know, my grandmother, my yaya and papu always, I could remember them at 50s looking like they were in their 90s uh, because the way they dressed and the way they acted. And especially when one of them died, they always wore black, right? Especially the yaya. Yeah the yaya in the scenario so don't right. you think that that's the scenario that you you talk about it and one of your uh, co authors talk about that you gotta you, you can improve yourself and improve your, your by 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 dressing the part right
0: yeah yeah i don't want to deny um particularly um that the period you know sometimes now they divide aging into kind of young old and old old um <laughs> and by young old it simply mean people who are in those years say i don't know before say the about the age of 80 um who in many ways are still kind of in middle age sure. um, they're they're you know in good health for instance and and able in you know just able very independent able to function uh, much like they did when they were say 50 um you know more creeks, uh probably on a few more prescriptions and so on but but you know et cetera and um and in some ways we're not we're not so much talking about that group really as as something more like kind of the old old um that is people who when you begin i mean in and, and the focus on 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 young old is really on just the continuation of middle age um and the use of kind of anti aging Things and so on, well,
1: um, but I thought. But, but there
0: is a high value on youth there. Yes, and, uh, and but, but once past eighty or so, you reach kind of deep old age or old old, uh, the fourth age. It goes by different names um, and so on. Um, you know that that's in many ways when when ones the, the, when, when, when grows dependent when when death becomes more, uh, you know, in focus. Um, you know etc that's the part really that we're especially talking about and we think that part of life is actually held in great disdain uh, by our society and the whole model of successful aging is just don't age wow. um, right but it doesn't give old age itself any status right might mm-hmm. there be a season of life that isn't lived like middle age that's lived differently that's lived in a in a new in a kind of uh, a new key um, and, uh, and you know previous societies often divided up the life course in various ways um, that gave old age a certain kind of special role um, and it wasn't just a continuation of something else it was actually a new time in which there are special responsibilities um, and so on and um, uh, we think that, that we, we need something like that we've lost that idea of life having certain kind of stages, um, and that that prevents us in a certain way from from treating people once they become more frail and so on well, as a kind of full full member of the community. Well, that's when we tend to sequester them and so on.
1: Well, let, let, let me ask a little segue. I think our listeners would appreciate this. Is uh, and it, it, it deals with a lot of topics you just mentioned, but. Where does the name of the book come from? And, and the book, the name of the book is The Evening of Life. So explain to our listeners what you meant by that and where does it, where did it come from. I thought you, you delve on this quite a bit throughout the book, but I think a, a, a quick synopsis would, would help my listeners.
0: Well, the the simple answer, I took the title actually from um, from Soren Kierkegaard, mm-hmm. the the Danish philosopher right. mid nineteenth century uh, it is a phrase from one of his books and um, and he just uses it kind of in passing, and I was captured by it um, because it kind of hints at this idea that life has kind of seasons, mm-hmm. and if we think of youth as something of the springtime of life and the, you know that uh, and, and, and sometimes it's referred to I think uh, Jung refers to it as the afternoon of life. Um, you know, so there's different ways, but it, the idea was that it, that it's it's its own season. It's not just a not just a continuation of something else, but it but that maybe it has something unique to it. Um, and this is the way I think traditional cultures, uh, many cultures before our own, um, you know, didn't treat the human life course as just all the same. That there were differences, and that what what we were as young people, what we were as middle-aged people. And then what we are as older people are are somewhat different and has kind of special there'll be a special roles and responsibilities and so on that might come uh,
1: We're, with being in older. your research I didn't see that a lot in america uh, I mean I saw that in in asian countries in in china and in Japan and even in europe some sort of of of, of difference way differences between the the aged the the young and but but in, in our country. For the many years i 've been around seventy uh, i haven 't seen as much distinct uh, differences as I do when i i visited china haven 't visited japan, but uh, I thought that was they were explaining to me how they 're not having enough people to care for their elderly now, so well, we don 't have their problem here. said, well it 's the role of the of the hierarchy of the of the of the pair of the Family to take care of it. It's not. We don't want to utilize any other outside services. I said, "Well, you're going to probably have to if you don't have enough people, right?"
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, you're right. In the U.S., um, the the things began to change early in the 19th century. There was something more clearly um, in terms of regard for the elderly and special social roles and so on. Um, but it began to change quite early in the United States. Um, and then over the course of the 20th century, it got more and more um, kind of fixed, especially around kind of chronological age, um, with the idea of an age-based pensions and things like that. So Okay,
1: that, true. Uh,
0: so the old age became synonymous with like 65, um, and, and often the end of one's relationship to the economic, uh, to the economy, right? you you bring retirement and so on, and then it and then a kind of period of life that was quite undefined um, after that. Uh, but you're right, that, that, that's that been in decline in the United States for a really long time, and it's still uh, still more common in other societies. Uh, though, again, I think generally it's been declining everywhere to, to think of, of that stage of life, especially as people get drawn more and more into the modern economy. A lot of the historical stuff on old age was in agrarian societies, mm. Right, where people sure. would continue to live on their farm uh, until they died and would often continue to have responsibility for it um, unless the situation demanded, you know, either physically or could not, or, or dementia or something couldn't handle it, right? They would continue to have that role um, and play that role well, way into old age.
1: Well, l- um, let's get later. some positive aspects. You're, you're, um, the book goes throughout throughout the book, I felt so many things that you, you you relate to the positive way that senior citizens and boomers are being treated now than they were maybe previously. Do you agree with that?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, so, yeah. Well, the, yes what, and no. I mean, yeah, right, I, I do, I do. But um, well, and I do think there are a lot of positive things that are going on. So, yeah, I, I don't want to be just um, uh, negative, negative. Uh, and I hope we talk a little about the COVID thing, because yes. I think that more than anything illustrates our profound ambivalence uh, toward the elderly um, in the way in which they're less than one percent of the population live in in, in care facilities Business. and account for 40 percent of the deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do think there are a lot of, of positive things um, going on um, with uh with, with older Americans, um, and certainly and, um, and a lot of great writing, I think of the work of Harry Moody or Thomas Cole um, and others um, who have been writing about the elderly um, and ways to, to re-engage in community uh, and so on. Um, yeah, those are all very positive, and, and certainly the book, one of the, the goals is to elaborate on certain kind of virtues um, and so on of old age, Okay. Uh, that are both for old age, but also are for younger people uh, that would help Sorry. us in some sense prepare for our own old age.
1: So so continuing, I think the, the aspect I was trying to bring in is I saw in so many places throughout your book, which I've been trying to emphasize to some of my uh, uh, younger people that I deal with. In the old days, they used to call us, you know, you're 65. You're a geezer. You're a crank. You're a codger. You're an elder. You're a you know you're over the hill kind of guy. And i you uh-huh. know I, I see uh, over the many years that I've traveled throughout the United States and abroad, that's not being utilized as much. And I think these these millennials and numb people are respecting us more, and not calling us by those demeaning names. <laughs> they can call me anything else, but don't call me those demeaning old names. Right, <laughs> right. And, right, and, right, and yeah. I and I see that. Uh, and I I, I felt throughout your book and, and somebody uh, you, know, you, you know, and some people do not know. I, I love it when I go and, and um, uh, doctor, when I go to shopping or I go to different places and, and the young people at the cashier says uh, I'm looking right at her and, and I said I want a senior discount. She says really? And I said what do you mean by that? Really? I have gray hair. She said we have a lot of young people that have gray hair. It doesn't mean anything. And sometimes I mean I got carded one time. I said are you kidding me? I'm 69 years old, and I'm going to get carded. She says, <laughs> yeah. yes, sir, you are. I said, well, you made my day. Okay, so I it and she says, she apologized, but then she says, we have to do that for everybody, but you didn't look like a, you didn't look like said, well, you made my day again, so keep doing that, lady. <laughs> yeah, ma'am, and so that's been happening more and more, even to other people. I go out, and I don't know if they're trying to impress us or whatnot, you know, or they don't want to give us a senior discount, but anyway, that, that's the, the positive aspects of it. So right, going right. back, uh, two things, uh, because I think a lot of people can going to say, well, Gary, there's so many books about aging out there. There's so many books about ethics and aging. Why is this book, The Evening of Life, uh, uh, one of the best ones I should be reading now? So t- tell the listeners, give, I'm going give, to give you the opportunity to give a, a plug to yourself here. <laughs>
0: um, well, um, there there are... One there, there isn't actually that much on the ethics of aging. Um, uh, again, I mentioned Moody or Thomas mm-hmm. Cole. There is, there's certainly some writing, and there's uh, more of it in recent years. Um, uh, but we found, as we were uh, reading and studying this topic, that uh, how few things really engaged with the question of what the virtues um, and the vices, if you will, of aging uh, were, and Um, You know, in in bioethics, um, there's a lot of ethical talk, but it's mostly, I would describe it as kind of ethical issues that affect older people. Um, And that that means a lot of it is about institutional care, autonomy, the right to make decisions about your own treatment, um, and things like that. But not an ethics of everyday life. Not an ethics for an actual old person to live everyday life. Most of that kind of ethics... Is for the ethics of caregivers right. um, and how to respect the rights of patients um, and so on to treat them fairly, et cetera. And all of that's very important, but it's not really an ethics of everyday life. And it was it was the more of the, the, the how to how to live in old age um, that we were uh, that we wanted to focus on. And and toward that, there there are quite a bit fewer uh, contributions um,
1: well, that we tried a, that's to a do positive draw thing. upon. Oh, that's sorry, a po- that's it? a positive aspect, so everybody should and I, I again, I found it fascinating. I have not read any other uh, books on ethics, and really have not read any book on the challenges of aging so uh this is the first book in many many years that I've decided to to read it was recommended by your publicist and my wife and I've read it, and I thought it was fascinating that i should have i should have done this and should have uh, should have presented it sooner to my my listeners out there. And our readers of our magazine, the best of times. So, again, I'm going to give you a kudos. It's, it's very enlightening, and I, it, it's going to help me and help others that I deal with. So you were, we were talking about this unprecedented times of the elderly during the coronavirus pandemic, which, wow, it has affected us. And so your book was written before this, or the gathering of the, the, the articles and essays was before this. So what can, what can people learn from it in our current situation?
0: Well, um, what we uh, well one of the one of the points about the book is the um, the way in which we um, uh, often in effect treat um, the the old um, is not really kind of moral agents, um, right? We, we, they're, they're, like I said, there's very little written about what's the responsibility uh, of the old. What are their responsibilities? What are the virtues um, that they should be cultivating and so on? And and there's been a tendency in our society once, again, people get old to kind of they're no longer seen to have a certain kind of social role or social responsibilities and so on. Um, And in the pandemic, uh, you know, it seems to me, did did it ever even occur to anyone to actually ask the elderly (laughs) what they wanted or people in care homes? Uh, like what they needed or wanted. Um, you know, they have very... Their life is not like middle-aged people. No. Um, right? You've already... If you're in a nursing home, you've already experienced a lot of losses. Your life has already been reduced. Right? The importance of certain relationships to you, right, is going to be magnified in a way that it wasn't perhaps when you were much younger um, and so on. And so the idea of suddenly locking down, cutting off contact uh, with people... There's all these excess deaths, so these would be deaths of people not directly from the virus, but but are in some sense as kind of collateral damage of the lockdowns and stay-at-home orders and so on.
1: Failure right. to live. Lots of Alzheimer die.
0: patients dying, yes. right? But Alzheimer patients need, they need loved ones. They need to hear their voice. You're right. They need to have those people around, and when they they take them away, what they're finding. And again, this wasn't a new discovery. That often they'll quickly die, um, and so so they have a special need for human contact and human association. Um, right, loneliness is already a great problem, and so on. And then, and then to just lock down in you know as though one one rule works for everyone, uh, it seems to me has, has has really been very damaging for for older Americans and. Um, but it, it seems to me to reflect that sort of view that well we don't even, we don't we don't we don't have to listen to the elderly we don't have to talk to them you know there's all this listening to the science but I wonder did anybody really talk to gerontologists and other people who care
1: probably uh, not. care
0: home people for like how are those people doing and and what would be the effect of cutting off care the prospect of dying alone right of being unable to see family members. Right when when people are already in in a very advanced uh, old age and stage of life um, and so on, so we, we feel like this COVID in some ways perfectly illustrates the problem that the book was trying to address, which is that the the kind of marginalization of the old, right, is made in effect put us in a position where we really can't protect them. We're not protecting them, and we we haven't been able to protect them. And deaths are on the rise again in nursing homes. Um, and, uh so that's i think the major uh way is is has been around the the kind of failures um uh, to to protect the uh protect our elderly especially those who are in some,
1: and and uh, they were given the, as you said they probably weren't given the opportunity to express their uh, views or concerns it was I hate to say this it's a, a mandate from above uh coming down and you know it's it's sad to say it was not uh, probably uh, surprised upon them, and then all of a sudden, no contact with loved ones, no touchy. I mean, eventually some of them used FaceTime and and I mean uh, Zoom, etc. But that's still not the same thing as having a up close touch. I mean, my mother uh, was in a nursing home for many years, and I don't think uh, I, I would have been distraught if I couldn't be able to see her every day. And actually touch and hold her and she hugged me, so it was it was it's touching that uh you're, yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah,
0: right. Well and thousands of people have died alone. Their their worst fear wasn't dying. Mm-hmm. It was dying alone. And this has been this is a very widespread phenomena and and um,
1: and, and also yeah, so dying then, alone, but dying and then not having a funeral where their friends and loved ones could Patri, I mean, even the family members, many were distraught when they were only allowed some of them not even having a funeral, not even having right, a right. service at all, yeah. which is it's so. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean I've, I've talked to an individual family who was very prominent that said, "We're going to wait until 2021 to celebrate her, her, the passing of the mother." And uh, I mean, isn't that sad? <laughs> you have yeah. to wait yeah. So, yeah, that's right. And, and couldn't have and again, anything. Uh, and I know you that know, the we have been distraught about it. Uh,
0: We understand the special conditions, obviously, emergency conditions of a pandemic, Uh, so I don't want to make light of that, certainly, Um, uh, and yet a lot of it has been, um, again, kind of imposed without a lot of creativity, finding ways in which people can maintain connections or, or simply asking people. My own mother, who's 90, right, she said... By no means, she lives with one of my sisters and, right, she said, in no way am I cutting off contact with my family, right? If I die of COVID, I die of COVID, but I am not doing that. Um, and, uh, right, and so, and so <laughs> kept right on seeing her. We didn't, didn't cut it off, but, uh, in other cases, uh, my uh, brother-in-law's mother, um, you know, died in mid-March, not of, not, unrelated to COVID. Uh, but they couldn't see her for the final two weeks of her life. Um, they couldn't have a funeral. They eventually had it all the way on Labor Day, or in Labor Day weekend. You know, six months later, um, and so on. And uh, so, anyway, yes, this is this is a great cost, and and uh, and I think I think again reflects a kind of ambivalence. Um,
1: Okay, let's let's uh, let's move on to some positive more things about. I love it. So your book describes uh, good old age, and so I'm gonna I want you to elaborate a little bit while we have some more time here. What virtues might be important in old age and approaching death? So there there's some virtues that that you described and your other authors describe in the book. So what what are some of these that that people yeah, need to good. be aware of? Uh, and I might uh, preface it
0: by saying by good old age. Um, we mean both a life that's kind of lived well, Mm -hmm. so that would be the virtue part, and the other part of it would be a life that goes well. So it's lived well and it goes well. Um, And the goes well part is more the the social, right? The medical care, uh, uh, material help, um, things like that. Um, So on the lived well part, um, yeah, we identified... um, a number of, of virtues that were um, you might say don't none of which are kind of automatic with old age um, in other words they they often have to be cultivated um, and the and in some respects um, these virtues are um, are are best in some ways lived when you're young <laughs> and then outright uh it's, I think, Cicero who says the best armor of old age is a life well spent preceding it. Um, uh, so in sense, many senses, these, these kind of virtues and so on um, uh, can be cultivated in the young. And one of the things we argue uh, for why we need a far more integrated, older people, more integrated into the lives of young people in, in, in all our ways, not sequestered, but, but interacted is because they can teach us these virtues, right? Children experiencing um, people who are older, right, get to see something like, right, when it's when it's handled well, get to see what it's like to recognize that they're dependent on other people, right? To, right? to to not fear our limitations, right? The fact that we'll age and die becomes less fearful when you see it when you see it lived well, right? Or suffering and weakness that are part of our nature is embodied. Beings um, and not some kind of indignity or something to be ashamed of, uh, et cetera. Um, and, and, and older people living amongst us, living around our children and with kids and so on, can, can teach that. But so, so here's just a few of the, the virtues, I'd say, that, that we mention in different ways in the, in the book um, uh, that I think most part maybe are self explanatory. One, a, a kind of humility. Uh, especially in the face of aging and and losses that come with aging. Um, The uh, uh, kind of connected, cultivating a kind of connectedness um, to other people, uh, and even to our own story, so a kind of unity uh, of one's life uh, and and a kind of integrity with which we live, uh, cultivating a kind of steadfastness or patience, Uh, again, often in the face of, of Some of the trials of old age, our body beginning to to fail us in various ways. Um, uh, A kind of resoluteness, right? Mm -hmm. This was a a kind of strength in the face of 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 not not in some sense losing our dignity and maybe having to defend our dignity and self worth uh, in certain situations where it might be uh, might be challenged, right? Or people might not be relating to us in the in the appropriate way. A critical one was a a kind of letting go, cultivating a kind of letting go or a letting be. Um, uh, This could be things like a readiness to forgive, um, right, or to accept our situation, to accept our age, to accept the coming of death. Uh, A letting go sometimes of old bitterness um, or resentfulness, um, you know, etc. But also a kind of letting go of petty concerns, um, acquisitiveness, uh, ambitions, um, you know, some of the stuff that that really distracts us and the idea is that at this time of life you can let go of some of that, you can then cultivate, you can slow down and cultivate, say, a sense of wonder, uh, right, or a, a, a sense of, 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 of gratitude, uh, work on one's attachments and relationships, say, to to one's children or to one's grandchildren and uh, and so on. Uh, And that uh, getting free of the kind of worries and the petty things that occupy us a lot of the time, if we can get free of that, then we're freer to invest ourselves in in more substantive, qualitative kind of relationships. Um, Right? And and that I might describe as a kind of simplicity. And then then maybe the last one I had mentioned would be um, a kind of care. Right? That... Again, a lot of times we think of elderly as objects of care, but but in this idea is that the elderly themselves are also caregivers, especially to the young, um, and the way that they can encourage the young. Uh, back again, back to Cicero for a moment, uh, right? He was. Um, he, Cicero has a lot about old age. has a treatise on old age. Um, he, of course, was the, the Roman, right. And he talks about the. The services to the community provided by the aged, right? And, of course, they included advising in the Senate. Our word, Senate, and uh, senior, right, et cetera, mm-hmm. is related to that word. So they had a, a, a leadership role. But also, you know, directing affairs, still economic uh, uh, contribution, but also the instructing the young in virtue, sure. right? So this was seen as one of the principal roles that uh, older people, during
1: that time of life those play, older people had an experience that knowledge that they've been there done that that they could relay to the younger people to prepare themselves yeah, I mean, I've, I've, exactly I've dealt exactly. with that in prior years and I'm I hate to say this now I'm doing it myself and I, I'm most of the times I'm I'm offered appreciation for that insight and that uh, that uh, knowledge etc so 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 going back uh, uh, you mentioned some of these virtues, but but there are also some vices that continue on in in that good old age. And I've got to mention one. I've had uh, several of my friends who are my age and a little bit older, and where we sometimes they said, "Well, Gary, you don't seem like you have a lot of vices." Well, the ones I don't tell you about. They said, "Well, you don't smoke, you don't drink a lot, uh, you don't indulge, you don't." Uh, I said, "You know, hey." I, you know, I drink a little bit. I sociably drink. I don't smoke. I really do. And some of my friends do. And they keep telling me, well, I've smoked since I was 15, and I have never had any kind of cancer, and I don't think I need to stop now. I'm 87. I said, well, it's up to you. I mean, <laughs> hey, you've got good genes, et cetera. So they have those vices. They're living their good old age, and their, their loved ones said, Gary, can you help Aunt Jessie to quit smoking? I said, well, I've talked to her, but she doesn't want to quit. And you're not gonna make her quit, and, and don't you see that too some you're going to have old age and have their vices that continue on because it makes them happy, right?
0: well, right, yeah, 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 I think we were um maybe not talking about vice in quite that sense, but <laughs> but, but, but something like the the flip side of the virtue,
1: okay, right? all the ads are, okay, so if the, the ad.
0: virtue is to be um open or to open one's heart. Right. The vice is to be bitter or grasping or twisted, yes, or
1: and some right, of them do um, that when they age. Right.
0: right. Uh, if the virtue <laughs> is to be a certain kind of carry yourself with a certain maturity and dignity, then acting like a child, right, uh, and so on, right, or 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 uh, you know uh, being withdrawn, uh, a common thing I think we see is a, a kind of pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that allow, doesn't allow people to accept help, um, right? They, no, they, so don't wanna, they don't want to share. Don't the, be they don't want to share the secrets.
1: It. They don't want to share the secrets or the insight. They want to keep it to themselves and, and take it to the grave with them. Right? Is that what you're trying to say as right, well? Right,
0: or or just that they're right. When you become, you need care. You need help. Mm-hmm. That you refuse it. You won't. You won't accept help, right? Or you you take it grudgingly and bitterly, um, right? Rather than being gracious to caregivers. Right um, you're, you're angry all the time because you, you were used to being autonomous and, and, and now suddenly you have to receive care. And, and, and so part of the virtue is would be to cultivate right, the sense of, of a kind of letting go, a kind of accepting of one situation, recognizing right. that the body is frail and, right and that people, when they give you care that to then to receive it with a kind of graciousness, Right? And, and the opposite, the vice of that would be to, to be bitter and angry um, and withdrawn and cynical and sarcastic, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, if, if, you've, if you've been around nursing homes and been among elderly, you, oh, yes. you can really feel some of those, that kind of anger and bitterness. And um, so that, that's kind of what we meant by sort of virtues. And, and it's simply to say that if we're going to ask people to live a life of virtue then we need to recognize that they're also there it, it has a flip side some of these virtues in some ways are defined against
1: and hopefully those those, those can change by tactful matters, right tactful yeah, techniques. exactly and, right
0: uh, right and trying to cultivate obviously this depends a lot on on the person's situation and so on and and the, and again the focus really isn't so much on vices it's really on on cultivating virtues but you really can't talk about virtues without also acknowledging that there's a non-virtuous ways um, to be. Uh, but the point is that, and, and again, this is often not a, a matter of scolding people, as it is as as a society uh, trying to reestablish a time of life with a particular characteristic set of virtues, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That you say these are these are the virtues of old age um, that that you want to cultivate. Uh, we, you know, in some sense, we then expect people to kind of live up to those uh, commitments. Uh, and so this in the way that we do with any morally responsible person. There's, there's a set of commitments there. And when they fail them, right, we encourage them forward, right, uh, to live them. And the point, is, again, it's not, to, not to, um, to, to condemn people or to find fault, but rather to encourage uh, ways of life. Um, and so on. That that again, kind of good uh, a, a, a good person, right? seeks seeks to achieve. And, but and but Dr. Course, Davis, we me... also know all kind of old people.
1: Right. Uh, but, and, and but, who, but I'm gonna do tell all you, these things. they are adaptable. They can change. I've got many stories to to, to, to tell my listeners. I've told them so that that when my mother was in a nursing home, she was a very positive lady. Wanted to help everybody. And was so and was thrilled of when I and Mala, my other uh, kids and uh, her grandkids went to visit her and family members etc but there others there were so spiteful and I I can just recall one lady coming up to me she says you know your mother is so lucky to have all her family members I've never had any of my family members come up to see me in years that I've been here and I said I'm sorry would you like to join us you should have you know mm-hmm. to be so spiteful and so I made her day by inviting her part of the family there she had never had anybody it was so sad in a way and but it right, it right. turned her around becoming so spiteful about anybody visiting anybody else that, that she felt now somebody was caring about her and that's all she wanted is to just to be caring to be involved in the conversation. And they and they became best friends of ever. And they were friends Always before right. but but that even cultivated it even more. And it was like they were yeah, like oh, buds together. Yeah, right. Uh, one other aspect I, w- I want to mention. We don't have a few more minutes here. I thought this was fascinating. And in, in, in their book, they talk about uh, the, the the structural says, uh, structural ethical source of matter, dealing with physician practices and patients' demands as we get older in dealing with physicians. I thought that was fascinating. And you, one of your authors called that the perfect storm in healthcare. Right because uh, it's increasing yeah. <laughs> it's increasing the demands by our, by patients wanting to uh, uh to be cured immediately to take all these thousands of pills and and maybe have inside effects but the, the the physicians are prescribing or not prescribing and and dealing with all these interesting type of treatments and i mean you're right it's going to be a perfect storm as it increases exponentially there right right that's right
0: and uh and I, the the paper I think you're referring to the chapter was written by a gerontologist um uh or geriatrician mm-hmm. physician um here at the hospital um and you know really making the point uh, and some of this had to do with just the way that care is is treated is paid for um and so oh, on yeah. and uh anxious to shift from treating problems as they arise so in a kind of pay pay by the procedure uh method um Right. And and instead, turning that around and focusing our resources on the question of prognosis Um, and one of the other chapters, for instance, talks about a program that was set up by some nurses out of Johns Hopkins that seeks to help people age in place.